Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Charlie Hebdo, republishing cartoons, freedom of speech, or asking for trouble. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, indeed, we're on the verge of a very interesting time when by the time that you hear this, uh, we will be in the midst of the new, uh, well, the only really Charlie Hebdo trial, um, trial for people who are thought to have been accomplices to the main people who were involved in this horrible massacre in January 2015. So I'll be talking about it probably again since the trial is going to be going until November. But right now, what I think is the most interesting part, and um, you may well have seen the results of this uh, by the time you're listening to this show, um, the magazine, Charlie Hebdo, uh, is, has decided to republish the same cartoons that got them in trouble in the first place. By getting them in trouble, I mean the cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad that um, many radical Islamists did not like. They thought that that was blasphemy. And that uh, caused some, <laughs> three in particular, three men in particular, to uh, two of them to attack the uh, editorial offices of the magazine, Charlie Hebdo, and one of them to attack a kosher um, grocery store. I'm going to tell you, uh, I'll tell you more about the actual, remind you of the massacre from 2015. But before I do, let me tell you about this um, republishing of the Mohammed cartoons. Because the question is, you know, the reason why they're doing this, and I'll read you some quotes from the current editor, uh, but the reason why they're doing this is to continue, well, first of all, Charlie Hebdo, just to remind you, is a satirical magazine that, um, in France, in Paris, uh, that publishes, um, you know, sat that satirizes um, all po politicians, religion, all kinds of people, not just the Prophet Muhammad. But um, that is what, you know, uh, got them in trouble. That is what caused this horrible uh, massacre. Now, they have been apparently asked to republish the cartoons or publish more Prophet Muhammad cartoons, not necessarily the same ones that they did uh, that caused the massacre, but th there have been lots of um, 
Prophet Muhammad cartoons that Charlie Hebdo has published. And um, they didn't want to publish them just for the sake of, you know, until they were waiting for something important. And clearly this trial of the uh, alleged accomplices to the men who caused the Charlie Hebdo massacre obviously is the perfect the perfect time in a way to be publishing, republishing the cartoons. And in another way, you know, what is going to happen? Um, certainly they are courting danger uh, because there will be people who will take this as a trigger to um, say, oh, you're doing it again. You haven't learned your lesson. So, all right, let me tell you, um, let me tell you what the editor uh, has said. The editor, the director of the magazine um, is named Laurent uh, Sorisseau. And he wrote in, in the current editorial, the magazine that is published now at the start of the trial, he wrote, we will never lie down. We will never give up. The hatred that struck us is still there. And since 2015, it has taken the time to mutate, to change its appearance, to go unnoticed and to quietly continue its ruthless crusade. So 12 people at the editorial office of Char Charlie Hebdo uh, were killed. These were some of France's most celebrated cartoonists. This was on January 7th, 2015. And they were killed by two brothers, Saeed and Sharif Kouashi who brought guns and other weapons into the offices. Now, um, this current Charlie Hebdo cover shows a dozen cartoons, and these were cartoons that were actually first published by a Dan Danish newspaper in 2005, and then it was reprinted by Charlie Hebdo in 2006. And that is when uh, it unleashed a storm of anger across the Muslim world. And there have been, um, Charlie Hebdo has printed for, uh, cartoons of the prophet Muhammad since then as well. Now, at the center of the cover, the current cover, is a cartoon of Muhammad drawn by a cartoonist named Jean Cabou, um, who was one of the ones who was killed in the massacre. And um, the, the headline, um, says all of this just for that in French. So they decided that this was a perfect time to republish the cartoon because there was a significance in it and that it's essential. And he wrote, um, we have often been asked since January 2015 to print other caricatures of Mohammed. We have always refused to do so, not because it is prohibited, the law allows us to do so, but because there was a need for a good reason to do it, a reason which has meaning and which brings something to the debate. And um, now after the, um, after the massacre, Charlie Hebdo had a um, cover that uh, showed the picture of Mohammed. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, it, he was uh, holding a sign that said, uh, that says, Je suis Char Charlie. 
Yeah, I am Charlie. And remember, that was the movement that came after the, there were protests and so on about this horrible massacre. They were, you know, for free speech. So it said that that cover said, to a pardonne, all is forgiven. Je suis Charlie. And the people from the magazine have said that since that time, um, since the Je suis Charlie movement, um, people, it's not as strong. People have kind of gone passive or quiet and aren't speaking out as much as they used to with this slogan um, that united the country in grief. And so they wanted to make the point that, hello, wake up, you know, um, it's still important to uh, speak up for free speech, and that's what they're doing. Now, what's interesting is that uh, when the, um, the president of the French Council of Muslim Worship Mohammed, none, nonetheless, Mohammed, uh, Musawi uh, told people to ignore the cartoons and he condemned violence. He said, the freedom to caricature is guaranteed for all. The freedom to love or not to love the caricatures as well. Nothing can justify violence. So he is basically trying to calm the potential the people down who would potentially um, you know, erupt in violence again, seeing these cartoons on the cover of uh, Charlie Hebdo again. So um, these are people, the people who are going on trial are not just little helpers, but um, the National Anti-Terror Prosecutor said it is about individuals who are involved in the logistics, the preparation of the events, who provided means of financing, operational material, weapons, a residence. So in other words, all of this is essential to the terrorist action. So in other words, it's not just uh, people who were inconsequential to the attacks, but that they um, were very significant and that this trial is very significant. So, um, Indeed, again, this, uh, the editor, sorry, so said, we will never lie down. Um, so these, um, at, during the attacks in 2015, there were 12 people who were killed at the office of Charlie Hebdo. And then uh, there were four Jewish shoppers who died in the attack on the kosher supermarket. They were, first they were, um, they were held in, there were lots of people who were um, held in the uh, supermarket and then four of them were killed. So um, these, this is a trial of 14 alleged accomplices. And um, the, one of the things that, well, I mean, I guess I'm at the end of the first segment here, but when we come back, well, I want to talk about who these two men were who attacked the Charlie Hebdo office because they were not, um, they were not people who you might think, <laughs> who you might imagine um, would do this, you know, in reaction to these cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, and I will tell you all about them when we come back. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about Charlie Hebdo republishing cartoons uh, of Mohammed 
freedom of speech or asking for trouble. This is right on the eve of the terror trial, the trial of uh, alleged accomplices for the people who perpetrated the attack in 2015 on the offices of the magazine Charlie Hebdo and on a kosher supermarket. Um, I was saying I was going to tell you about who the two men were who, who um, were the shooters at the Charlie Hebdo office, and um, their names were Sharif and Saeed Kouashi. Now, why I said that you wouldn't, uh, it was a little bit surprising, is because these are not uh, radical Islamists who came from Iran or Syria or, you know, the Middle East and traveled to Paris to do this, you know, because they felt so strongly, not to say that you have to live in the Middle East to feel strongly about your religion or the Prophet Muhammad or anything like that. But um, what's also interesting is that their childhood, you know, I always talk about how uh, people who, terrorists, um, come from a, originally, before they latch on to a distorted view of radical Islam, uh, they come from a disturbed childhood, a disturbed life before they become a terrorist. Some of them are, you know, it's beyond childhood, but before they actually act out as a terrorist, there is dysfunction in their life. And indeed, these two men who attacked Charlie Hebdo are no different. They were actually French citizens and they were born in Paris. By the way, uh, in case you haven't heard me say this in previous uh, uh, podcasts, I lived in Paris for almost three years. And so I particularly have, um, oh, a lot of feelings still for, um, for Paris. And so the fact that this happened in my city, <laughs> I call it New York as my city. That's what caused me to become the terrorist therapist after 9-11 and Paris as well and London as well, actually. So, okay, these two men were born in Paris to Algerian immigrants. That's where the Middle East comes in, or well, actually Africa. That's where the, the background, the, the outside of Paris background comes in. Um, they were orphaned at a young age after their mother committed suicide. So, okay, very traumatic childhood. They were put in a foster home and then they were moved to an orphanage. So you can kind of see where they would have become angry early on in their life, that life wasn't fair. Um, and they became, they, they, um, became very interested in um, radical Islam. And it, uh, they, it, is, it has been said in some places, it's said that they, this attack was done for Al-Qaeda, but in other places it says that, um, it says, or it's reported, or you know, it is believed that um, it was related to ISIS. Both actually, both ISIS and Al-Qaeda have taken credit for these attacks. So now, um, Sharif was arrested at 22, and um, he was put in jail, uh, and he was arrested because he was going to leave for Syria and to, you know, to become a jihadist and to fight um, the U.S. troops in Iraq. But instead, he was put in jail, and that is where he met a man named Amadi Koulibaly, who was actually the one who attacked the, the, um, the kosher 
uh, grocery store after the two brothers attacked um, Charlie Hebdo because he, when he attacked the grocery store, he demanded that uh, the police let the two brothers go because he, because he was friends with one of the brothers in prison, of course, which is another typical, typical story. So, um, and then in 2008, Sharif was convicted of terrorism and sentenced to three years in prison. And of course, they suspended 18 months, another story, you know, where people uh, convicted are, are, and given a prison sentence are then released early, another mistake. Um, and he was put in prison for recruiting fighters for militant um, to, to become jihadists, basically, and to fight in Iraq. So, 2008. So they knew both of these both of these previous arrests. Uh, they knew that this man was, um, you know, hadn't given up, hadn't become de-radicalized, hadn't given up his radical Islamist beliefs, and clearly he would be one who uh, did not get the joke, <laughs> did not think it was funny to have uh, cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad. Now, as I was saying, there have been several incarnations of um, cartoons um, on the cover and in the uh, magazine of Charlie Hebdo. So um, in 2006, they were... Um, they were sued, actually. Uh, Islamic organizations sued the, the magazine under French hate speech laws. They didn't win, but they sued over the fact that the magazine had republished these cartoons that had been in the Danish newspaper. Then in 2011, there was a cartoon that has a picture of Mohammed, and it says... Um, a hundred lashes if you don't die of laughter. You know, in the cartoon above the Prophet Muhammad's head, it says that. So, and then in 2012, uh, the magazine published more satirical cartoons about Muhammad, including nude caricatures and, um, and so on. So, you know, this wasn't the first time, and, but it was the time, <laughs> was the time that brought about the um you know the, in other words they were people were watching they knew that this this was they had continued to um publish these cartoons so um so on the morning of um january 7th 2015 these um two brothers burst into the uh editorial office they knew they, they probably knew that that was the time 11 30 local time that that was the time when they were having their editorial meetings uh, somehow i have a feeling they they knew that and chose that time to um to be able to kill the most people and um and just tell you some more oh, and now by the way of course when they did that at the time um they convinced someone they took a gun they threatened this woman and who had a daughter and uh, they threatened her and got her to uh put in the code to let them into the building which is kind of sad i would imagine she has not 
she had, and she was, wasn't killed in the attack. So I imagine the guilt has uh, stayed with her. It will stay with her for the rest of her life. Now the, the offices are more, um, are, you know, they have, they have guards and it's the, like Fort Knox. So um, they killed cartoonists, several cartoonists. They killed an economist. They killed uh, the bodyguard of the editor-in-chief, the cartoonist-in-chief. Uh, there was a visitor. There was a proofreader. There were several people. And as these two brothers, terrorists, uh, left the building, they shouted in French, of course, <laughs> presumably, we have killed Charlie Hebdo. We have taken revenge for the sake of the Prophet Muhammad. And then um, also some people have said that they heard them saying Allahu Akbar. Um, then the next day, um, well, and then the next day, Amadi Kulabali killed a police officer. Then on January 9th, um, that's when Kulabali killed the four Jewish men at a kosher supermarket in Eastern Paris. And I know this supermarket. I used to go to a temple in Paris that was right there, right in the Jewish section. And um, I'm sure I you know, was in this supermarket. I used to go there quite a lot for services. Um, so they demanded, they, they, held, they took people as hostages and they demanded that the brothers go free. And of course that didn't happen. In the end, the police killed the two brothers who killed the people at the Charlie Hebdo offices. And um, so four people were killed in the kosher market. They freed, um, well, the French special forces stormed this supermarket and uh, they freed 15 surviving hostages. The um, brothers were killed in the meantime, they were killed at a print, war, print works uh, shop where they had taken refuge. And so it's interesting because uh, again, Kulabali said it was it was carried out in the name of ISIS, and then um, but then, as I said, Al Qaeda takes uh, responsibility too or credit too. Um, well, let me let me uh, let me take a break now, and when I come back, I will tell you more about what is what is happening, what has happened actually since then. Um, you know, as you know, this was not the uh, end of terror attacks in France and it is still, <laughs> they are still continuing as they are all over the world. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show where we're talking today on the eve of uh, the trial or at the beginning of the trial. Uh, and when you hear this, you will know whether um, the answer to the question I pose in the title, Charlie Hebdo, Republishing Mohammed Cartoons, Freedom of Speech or Asking for Trouble? Well, you might know, actually, since this trial of the uh, alleged co-conspirators co or accomplices are gonna, is going to go on until uh, the middle of November. So um, we might not see... We might not see, uh, you know, uprisings until later. But in any case, I am I am uh, posing this question. You know, it's certainly, in my opinion, let me just say my my opinion is I think I think it's very brave of them, and I think it's uh, 
Uh, I think, you know, what, what they, the editors, the current editors and cartoonists and so on are talking about is how, uh, and I think I alluded to this before, how when, when this first happened and there was all this, everybody was coming in solidarity with France, just sweet Charlie, I'm sure you saw this on social media and all that. Um, and then, you know, and there was a whole group that, uh, that was continued to meet and, and continue to fight for free speech. And now this was again, 2015, this attack, January, 2015. And um, in five years, um, I don't know, people have gotten, well, <laughs> some people have gotten more passive while other people, unfortunately, have uh, become more active and violent. But in any case, so they, they have, are doing this to uh, remind people basically how important it is to stand up still for your freedoms, including especially freedom of speech. And, um, and I think that it is very uh, brave of them. Now, of course, as I mentioned, um, the, the offices of Charlie Hebdo now, the magazine, um, is like Fort Knox. It's a lot harder to, you can't just convince somebody to put in the code. It's a lot harder to get up to the actual offices and there are bodyguards and uh, you know all different lots of things put in to protect the people but you know um, it's not that hard to find out to know well they, their names presumably are in the are in the magazine and it's not that hard to find out uh, where these people live in fact I did that myself when I went <laughs> when I went to Paris to collect my um, uh, award for my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. I wanted to meet with one of the uh, editors or cartoonists from Charlie Hebdo, and I did um, find his name and went to um, his house. So if I did it, and I didn't have that long that I was there at that time, so if I could do it in a relatively short amount of time, terrorists who waited, <laughs> who were planning for quite a while to attack the offices could do it as well. So just because they're, uh, the office of the magazine is well protected, does it still means that the people who are um, participating, who are uh, the cartoonists and so on, the editors, all the people who are involved in the magazine are putting their lives at risk and do think um, that it is uh, worth it. Okay, so I was trying to say, so um, it, uh, now this was, as I said, January of 2015. And then um, in November of 2015, there was uh, the attack. There were a number of attacks, as I trust you will remember, including at the Bataclan Theater. Uh, they killed 130 people. There were bombings and shootings and at the sports, at, at restaurants and bars and the sports arena. And um, so, you know, this was the, the magazine, uh, the attack on the magazine and the kosher uh, supermarket were really harbingers of things that came after that. And also I, I, uh, I when I, that same, time that I was in Paris um, for the reception of, and to receive my award, um, I went to the Bataclan Theater and uh, because I had to feel what it felt like to be in there. And it was pretty um, chilling. 
Okay, so there was that. And then the next year, 2016, a Tunisian man who pledged allegiance to ISIS plowed his truck through a crowd, remember, on the boardwalk in Nice and killed 86 people. Um, so, and then, of course, there have been continuing attacks on, on churches um, and, you know, other individual lone wolf attacks in France. Uh, so it has, it has not stopped. Whether, whether they put a cartoon um, on the cover or not, you know, that may well have an, have an impact as to whether there's going to be an uprising of some sort, terrorist uh, attack um, during the trial. But it is not, they, there still would be terror attacks in France, whether they put the cartoon on the cover uh, today, you know, this, this week or not. Um, now, in fact, there are actually 8,000, 8, as, of, as of this moment, there are 8,132 people on France's security watch list. These are people who are suspected of terrorist leanings. And, um, you know, needless to say, it's very hard to keep track of 8,132 uh, people. And um, the, in, during, in 2013, just to give you an idea of the extent of this, um, even though there are thousands on this security list or watch list, um, there have been, there, you know, there has, there have been a lot of attacks that have been foiled. And in 2013, or since 2013, there have been 61 attacks, terrorist attacks that have been foiled by French authorities, including 32 since 2017. You know, you don't really hear about the ones that have been foiled. Um, rarely do you hear about those. Then, in addition, we have the terrorists who are going to be freed from jails and prisons. And um, they're people who, you know, who were, were convicted um, of various terrorist offenses and had their sentences, and some of them had their sentences uh, shortened. There are 45 who are due to be freed this year, and another 63 terrorists will be freed in 2021. Now, of course, if there is another uprising uh, during this trial of the accomplices for the Charlie Hebdo case uh, and, the, uh, and the, the supermarket, um, you know, that may in itself, the trial itself, not just the cartoons, but the trial itself is uh, certainly going to, especially, well, I guess I should say, uh, depending upon the outcome of the trial, if in fact a lot of these accomplices are, uh, or a significant enough number are found guilty and are given prison sentences, um, then we could have, you know, attacks based on that. I mean, really, when people, when people want to attack, when they're angry, um, they can find all kinds of reasons uh, to do so. So now the lawyers representing, the defense lawyers representing um, the, the defendants, the, these uh, alleged accomplices, um, are, you know, already saying 
that uh, they hope that um, they hope that the that it's going to be a jury trial, and they hope that the judge and the jury and the um, prosecutor and so on aren't going to just try to use this to make examples out of these people and to give them harsher convictions and sentences than they would otherwise get just because uh, they want to make examples of them. Um, it's a little hard to have an idea of just how, just how um, serious uh, the, the sentences will be, but um, they can face up to life and um, uh, you know, depending upon just how just how how involved each of these people are going to be. Now they are are expecting two hundred victims, survivors, and relatives of those killed to attend this trial. I'm not quite sure how they're going to fit in that many people, but I guess it's a very big courthouse. Um, so they want to see which of the people, you know, uh, which of the people, they're, they're, the lawyers, the defense lawyers are trying to say that it's very hard to determine just how much, um, how guilty these people are, just how much they did, you know, because uh, one of them has said, for example, by providing cars, phones, and lodging, did they know what the assassins were preparing to do? If they knew, then they contributed, and it is a matter of knowing to what degree. So, you know, of course, their defense lawyers are going to try to prove that, okay, yes, they did get, you know, of course, it's one thing to get a car for somebody. It's another thing to get a weapon, or it's another thing to uh, connect them to ISIS or Al-Qaeda or, you know, or be in contact with, be a liaison with um, ISIS or Al-Qaeda. And uh, that's a little different than just uh, providing somebody with a car or a phone. <laughs> um, and since the three main people who uh, perpetrated these attacks, the two brothers and the friend of one of the brothers, uh, it's, you can't really uh, cross-examine them or examine them and um, test, you know, have them testify and, and ask them, how much did uh, so-and-so have? You know, what did he do for you? And, and you know, did he know what you're going to use it for? Um, not that they would have necessarily told the truth about that anyway, but we don't have those key players. So it is a difficult case to prove, um, and it will presumably re uh, depend largely on uh, circumstantial evidence, you know, things that are written, things that testimony of some people there are some witnesses like there are the uh, um, there are some witnesses to things but it, it just gets very complicated <laughs> let's put it that way and it will be fascinating to watch I am going to be glued uh, to this because um, it really you know certainly certainly there are some of these people who are being put on trial who do deserve to get a sentence and some of them a very serious sentence because they did know why they were providing whatever it was that they were doing for them and without them they wouldn't have been able to organize this themselves well thank you for listening to the terrorist therapist show i'm dr carol your terrorist therapist
If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.